Hi, Linda Phils here. Welcome to my show where I will be sharing with you the strangest secrets to spiritual and professional success and productivity. So let's get started. You know, um, it's funny. We don't talk for so long and, and you and I have been in each other's lives and each other's programs back and forth over the years. And, and then all of a sudden a crisis hits like the one we all find ourselves in right now. And it's like, you want to talk to your friends. You want to find your buddies. You want to compare notes. You want to see what is God saying? What's going on? uh, That's why I reached out to you today with this text and like, Hey, are you ready to have a conversation about this? Uh, So it's not pre-planned. I want to tell our friends, that yes. we are just inviting you into a conversation that Will and I are having uh, in this moment about the response to COVID-19 in the midst of the body of Christ and particularly in the midst of the marketplace. And so we're just going to have some frank and open dialogue. We uh, yes. love each other and respect each other. And uh, can't, I can't wait, Will, to hear uh, what you're thinking. Now, before we jump okay. into that, Will, um, just give our listeners, in case they are, this is their pleasure to meet you for the first time today, a little bit about what you do um, there in Christ for the Nations and in the world. Tell them who you are. All right. So for those who don't know much about me, my name is Will Ford, husband of De Havilland Ford. Sometimes I'm known as the husband of De Havilland Ford, <laughs> little prophet lady who travels and speaks on prayer, unity revival, just like I get a chance to do. Um, and uh, for the past 20 some odd years, I've been traveling, speaking on prayer, unity and revival. Uh, some people know me as being the kettle man because I has this 200 year old kettle pot that I carry around with me to talk, use it as an object lesson to talk about prayer because the slaves in my family hundreds of years ago, used to pray underneath that pot to muffle their voices to pray for freedom. And I've been taking that pot around the country to talk about how it was the prayers of not just black Christian, not black Christian slaves, but also white Christian abolitionists. Those folks prayed in the being the first and the second great awakening. So had it not been for revival, slavery would have never ended. And then I had this little dream about Dr. King and my friend Luingo asked me to share that dream at the Lincoln Memorial on MLK Day. There was a white guy who had a dream came to that same gathering and he and I became friends. We've been friends for about 16 years now. Well, fast forward, that friend of mine found out that the civil war ended in his family's front yard. We thought, what a cool coincidence. I have this kettle pot where slaves pray for freedom. You have this house, General Lee fought his last battle in your family's front yard. We thought cool coincidence, but then y'all, we stumbled on more research and we learned that it was his family who owned my family where that kettle pot came from. And we met at the Lincoln Memorial, both led by dreams to the place where Dr. King said, I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners would be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. So he and I wrote a book about it called The Dream King. And, uh, and so most people know me for that. But the other thing is this, I've been burning the midnight oil, trying to raise up the next generation of marketplace leaders in this nation. For the past eight years, I've been the director and the chair of the marketplace leadership major at Christ for the Nations Institute. Because listen, if you don't change the marketplace, you don't change the world. So had it not been for marketplace people who, not just not just the revivalists, but had it not also been for marketplace people who carry revival into the marketplace of ideas during the days of slavery, listen, slavery would have never ended. In other words, we had revival, birth, transformation, and then also societal reformation, and it lasted 
for about 100 years. We need the same kind of awakening now. We need the same kind of transformation now. We need the same type of reformation now. So that's my mission. That's Linda's mission. Linda, for, especially for folks who I just forwarded this to uh, some folks in my audience with 818, because uh, we have an 818 uh, Be The Sign podcast as well. I want to share this with them as well. Let them know who you are and what you've been doing, please. Well, I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here at IHOP KC leading our marketplace ministry called Seven Impact. And, you know, this, uh, Will and I are friends from way before that, actually, because I was involved here at IHOP starting, helping to start the African American Forerunner Alliance. And that's where Mm -hmm. I knew the Haviland that uh, Will. Uh, is talking about and Stuart Greaves and others here in the IHOP world, but we just all had such a passion around seeing the body of Christ come forth with uh, in every every realm, market, yeah. church, race, uh, male, female, you know, college, yeah. university, uh, the marketplace, the business world, and yeah. God's up to something right now. I believe will with bringing a transformation in the marketplace. You know, there are a lot of businesses that are stalled out right now. Some are paralyzed. They're not sure what to do. Others are finding whole new lines of work because they're paying attention and they're pivoting quickly. So the importance of the pivot, the importance of the shift right now is one of the things I want us to major on because there's about 5 million things we could talk about today that would be totally. so exciting. We'd find ourselves going till midnight. Maybe we'll have to see <laughs> But uh, something I know you and I are both passionate about is the influence that God has put within his sons and daughters to bring forth yes. to the earth. And I have a dear pastor friend right now who is talking about the revealing of the sons and daughters of God right now. And I believe that is what's happening. You know, when we're in crisis, whatever is inside of us is going to come out, right? Exactly. Exactly. A lot of people are facing fear. A lot of people are having to deal with insecurity. Some are just scrambling to kind of get a firm footing. And my desired outcome of our conversation today, Will, would be anything we could say that would help men and women from the marketplace trying to deal with all of this, get their yes. business, let that influence that the Lord has put within them. He's been growing it. They've been developing. They're further down the road than they think. They Many are a bit stunned right now. And when you yes. get stunned, you can't, you can't make sense of things. You can't move. And mm-hmm. I believe that the sons and daughters of God who have been praying for years. How many years have we prayed? Ephesians 1, 17, Ephesians 19. And the Lord's got it in us and it's time for it to come out. And so we'll uh, speak to you. you, I consider you an expert. I remember when I first read, picked up your book about influence. I couldn't put it down. I was really fascinated with the subject and what you did with it. And, Mm -hmm. um, what would you say, Will, to men and women right now who feel like, kind of feel like their influence is shot because they're like, I don't know where my business is going. I'm not sure what to do Monday morning. Uh, what would you say to them that would help them reconnect with the influence God's put within them and offer something helpful to those around them? Yeah, first, let me start with first where I believe influence Influence is process first. I'm going to talk about where influence is process. And then I'll talk about what influence really is and, and how it operates. First, spiritual influence is processed through crisis. And it's processed through threshing floor experiences. And so uh, at the beginning of the year, I was asked to speak at a friend of mine's church. 
and that was at Prophetic Roundtable before that. And everybody was saying, well, you know, 2020 is a year for the reset. And then uh, what that resonated with me. But then there were a lot of folks who were saying 2020 is going to be the best year ever. Of course, it's the beginning of the year. It could get be better at the end. But this is going to be the best year ever. All this different, all these different things. Chuck Pierce releases a word about a plague <laughs> that he saw coming. This was in September. He said, I see a plague coming. The first three months of the year is going to touch, touch uh, the nations of the earth economically. But we'll be coming through it by the time of Passover, which is, is this week which I think our time talking today is timely. Wow. Um, so um, so I heard all those things uh, going on. And so um, at my friend's church, it's January. And so I'm thinking, what do I preach on today? I had a sermon laid out and then I flipped the script and I said, you know what? Turn to Genesis chapter 50. This church is on the threshing floor. I said, then I said, the nations of the earth are on the, on the threshing floor. And I looked outside, you know, you, those times when you look outside, you said, you're like, I can't believe you just said that, right? <laughs> Because I, I knew what I was about to get into, and uh, and lo and behold, this is where we are. It's interesting. The threshing floor is this large flat rock slab, about twenty to forty feet in diameter, and it's the place where they process the harvest. They would build these uh, uh, flat rock slabs on top of. They would place them on top of uh, the, on top of mountains because once you thresh the wheat and separated it from the stalk, it was easier to then winnow, winnow away. The, uh, the chaff, and the chaff would blow this way, this way, this way, and this way, four different directions, but the wheat would fall straight back down on the threshing floor because wheat is shaped aerodynamically to cut through wind, and also it's very weighty and very dense. But then sometimes rocks and mud would get you know connected to that, that's not hay. So then they put it in the sieve and they start shaking everything to wow. shake out. Yeah, so you, you're already ahead of me, you're pretty prophetic, everybody watching this too. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, right? <laughs> And it's not that not just that Jerry Lee Lewis song. We're being shaken right now, but God has to shake to separate everything that looks like it's weight, but not wheat. In other words, all the counterfeits have to be separated from the real. So then, once that happens, then they would take this embossed emblem and stamp the harvest, and uh, basically say this harvest belonged to somebody else, and uh, it would bear the emblem or the image of the family or the family crest or the kingdom crest with that image. So that's what we're being. We're being conformed to the image of the sun right now. So here's the thing. Why is this threshing thing so so intense? The first time it's ever mentioned is Genesis 50, when uh, Joseph goes to worship and mourn his father dying. He takes, he says, all the, elders, all the elders of Egypt go with him to the threshing floor. Genesis 50, and that's the first time the threshing floor is mentioned. So the first time it's mentioned, in it's mentioned in terms of not farming, but worship and mourning. He worshiped and mourned at that place for seven days. And I believe the reason why is because Joseph realized he was threshed in prison. He was threshed in slavery and then transformed to become a ruler. So that's the first time the threshing floor is mentioned. Now, King David, King David goes to the threshing floor two times in his life, at the beginning of his administration and at the end of his administration. The first time he goes to the threshing floor, he's taking the Ark of the Covenant. He's carrying it uh, uh, with, with oxen on a cart with wheels. And they go across Nacon's threshing floor. The Ark, the, the ark begins to teeter. Uzzah sticks out his hand. He's smote, right? He's split in half. So David has to figure out how to handle the holy. And he knew that he couldn't become so familiar with the presence of God. So 
that's one thing we found out about David and how he handled his threshing floor experience at that time. So he learned how to handle the holy, but then toward the end of his administration, he has another threshing floor experience, Linda. So here's what happens. It's, uh, he's come toward the end of his administration and David decides to number the people. Second Samuel chapter 24, he takes a census of the people. And, uh, and one translation, one, one account of it in Chronicles says that Satan uh, caused him to number the people. Another account says God caused him to number the people. So which one is it? The Lord opened the door for the, for the enemy to do this because he was trying to reveal something in David's heart. And so David numbers the people and a plague breaks out. 70,000 people die in just three days. We're at the place now where 10,000 people have died from our plague. And it's been several months. Three days, 70,000 people die. So this plague breaks out. So David sees an angel suspended between heaven and earth at the threshing floor of On and the Jebusite. And uh, most people are familiar with the passage because David says, uh, On and says, David, I'll give you the threshing sledge. I give you the oxen. I give you everything you need to make a sacrifice. And David says, no, I will not offer up to God sacrifices, which cost me nothing. A lot of people use that to say, hey, given to it hurts. That's not quite exactly what he was talking about. Matter of fact, in modern terms, the money that David paid for that threshing floor is just worth about $250, if that. Yeah. So this wasn't about the price. It was about, it wasn't about the, what, the, the cost. It was about what he was willing to pay forward for next generation because here's what happens david goes up to that threshing floor and he he uh takes a you know all the things he needs as a priest of course he would take take a censer as well when uh, david knew that his prayers was like incense before god's throne puts that incense inside of that that censer and he's there and he's offering up sacrifices and god stays the plague he stays the plague and the interesting thing is this david went from the census to the censer at the threshing floor. So that's what the Lord, so the first thing the Lord showed me about this, he said, William, it's not so much that this is a census year. We take a census in America this year. The Lord says, I, he said, a census is not what brought this plague on, but I want you to learn from David in the, in the midst of this time period. He said this, he said, when David took his census, the reason why he got judged is because he put his confidence in his ability to draw a crowd. He put his confidence in the numbers that he had accumulated. He put his confidence in everything else except how he, he built his ministry, he built his whole administration through the censor, through the censor of fasting, prayer, and intimacy with me. He said, it's time for the church. It's time for you in this time period where everything, all the props are gone. And you're being threshed from all your NBA games. You're being threshed from all your Broadway plays. You're being threshed from your movie theaters. You're being even threshed from your church buildings. Everything that's been a, been a prop that has held you up while those are being gone, while you're threshed from the crowds of thousands down to the tens, I want you to go from the census to the censor. And the Lord began to deal with me how I've been looking at Facebook likes, how I've been looking at retweets, how I've been looking at hearts, how I've been looking at everything else instead of focusing on building my ministry, prayer, fasting, and intimacy with him. So he began to deal with me in that area. But I'm thinking that's not just for me. It's just for all of us. So, yes, I believe there's going to be a harvest of souls after this. I believe there's going to be a great even uh, economic boom after this. But before we jump ahead to that, I want 
us to focus on the response God is looking for right now. In other words, right now for the marketplace believer, if you want to leave from this from this time period with the influence that God wants you to have after this quarantine is over, isn't it interesting? The word quarantine literally means 40 days. This is a time supposed to be set apart unto the Lord before Passover, leading up to Passover. Nobody could have orchestrated these events like this except the Lord. He knew this was going to happen at this time and he's using it for his glory. Listen, let God thresh the things out of your life. All the non-essentials, get rid of them. Get back to being focused on your mission and your mandate right now. Know those things like a laser beam right now. Two, this is not the time. Don't waste your crisis. Don't waste this quarantine. Marketplace believer, don't do that. Listen, don't waste this moment by spending time binging on Facebook, binging on Netflix, binging on other, binge on the Bible, binge on the word of God right now. All right. This is the time for you to be, we're separated from everybody else to be separated unto the Lord. Yes, yes. It's time for our homes to become a house of prayer. It's time for you to hear from God about his plans for you, your career, your family. He wants to speak to you about all those things right now. So this time right now is essential. And if you do that right, you'll be just like Joseph. Joseph was threshed in prison. He was threshed in slavery. And all those times of being sequestered, all those times of being quarantined in a sense from everybody else, he cultivated an intimacy with the Lord that was so profound, he literally became a father to Pharaoh. That's literally what the Bible calls him, a father to Pharaoh. So it's interesting. Why didn't Joseph get the dream that turned the nation around? You know, why was it that Pharaoh gets the dream and he has to find somebody to interpret the dream? I think the reason why Joseph didn't get the dream and the unbelieving Pharaoh gets the dream is because God loves the lost world so much. He wants them to know that he wants to be the one who makes their dreams come true. We can be the ones that can interpret the dreams that people have with God's narrative in mind for their lives, for their futures, for their families, not just the dreams they get in the middle of the night, but also the dreams that they're going to receive of the terms of their aspirations and their hopes. There's a God narrative that, that is more holistic, that's more healthy, that's going to have their family in mind and not just the monetary uh, means in mind. So in this time where God is doing this, he's shifting us. He's sifting us because he, he wants to, the church to go to a whole new place of influence and authority once we leave from this time period. Well, that was huge. Everything you just laid out so huge. I, I would expect nothing less from you, from the mouth of my friend, Will Ford. I, I uh, too, am struck with how God has gotten us very still. Yes. He wants to talk to us. And, you know, I was almost relieved when I heard that there was another 30-day stay-at-home order because yeah. I knew God had gotten us still, but he hadn't, we haven't done the work. We haven't gone to our prayer closets. I mean, we've been stunned a lot of that time. Right. And I feel like the Lord's just splashing cold water on our face and saying, okay, come away with me. Get on your face. Let's talk about your yes. business. The plans people made in January, 2020 are going to work now. And right. it's God's mercy to reveal that to us so that we can get these messages in our heart. I love what you're saying, coming uh, coming full circle before the Lord and looking at what he's put within us and asking him to recalibrate our very DNA, our yes. very souls, our very prayer lives. Because what we did yesterday isn't going to work tomorrow, but no. God 
good for it. You know, this, this thing didn't sneak up on the Lord. No, and that's right. I have this, uh, you know, I want this 30 days to go kind of slow. And, um, you know, I've got, we've got an event scheduled on April 18th, just prophetically that God put that on the calendar. Typically it's a time where we go off to a beautiful setting and Branson, Missouri, work on people's life plans and all these things you and I are talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Well, now naturally it's upgraded to online only. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just look at that and I think, how did the Lord give us that date smack dab in the middle of this 30 day season that we're in? And it's the invitation he's giving to all of us to come yes. before him. The, the callings of the Lord are holy upon his yes. people. The marketplace transformation we're talking about says, how can I serve the families assigned to me? I believe yeah. all of our businesses have and ministries and work and books, whatever it is God's put within you are assigned for the benefit of certain families in the earth that will be fulfillment of the Deuteronomy 818 of the Abrahamic covenant. And uh, I just think God wants to recast how business is viewed and conducted. You know, yes. marketing is not evil. Marketing is giving good information so people's needs can be met. Yeah. The exchange of money is not evil. It's the love of money or wrong prioritization of money. And right. so I think God is doing a washing over the marketplace terminology and yep. over the marketplace reality, because truthfully, we are the church plain in plain sight, right in front of people every single day. And yes. I think we couldn't be in a sweeter spot. It's either we'll get it now, uh, or you know how it is. You don't. You want to get it now or have a repeat, right? So <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's so good. And then the other thing too is uh, we look at influence. What it is, you know, influence. The word basically started out as a, as, a, as being connected to a virus. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Remember that. So, so for those who haven't heard this little tidbit, here's the thing: the word influence and influenza actually cousin words. And this is from the 1918 Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Now, 1918 that was the year that the Spanish flu was going out, right? That huge pandemic. But they had an interesting word to describe influenza in that day. So uh, uh, I don't know if the words pandemic or epidemic were around at that time period, but also the word influenza was a word used to describe a pandemic, but it's described in this way. Influenza, an ethereal fluid which flows from the stars, which carries out the star's desire to make mankind sick in mass. So any viral pandemic or epidemic was called an influenza, right? Now, the interesting thing is the word influence was tied to that. Their cousin words and the original definition for influence in 1918 was this. Influence, an ethereal fluid which flows from the stars, which affects the actions and behaviors of mankind. An ethereal, meaning heavenly, could be said a heavenly fluid which comes from the stars, which affects the actions and behaviors of mankind. So they believed back then that any person who had Favor with the stars had influence. Matter of fact, the Part B definition for influence uh, used to be, according to 1918 Merriam-Webster Dictionary, influence, an occult power held to derive from the stars. So in astrology and horoscopes, whatever, uh, they believe that the stars have influence over your destiny. That's why Deuteronomy chapter four says, don't look up at the stars 
the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and, to, and the holy ray, and, and worship and bow down. Why? Because behind those stars are fallen stars. They're principalities and powers. Uh, Revelation 12 uh, talks about how there's, how there's a third of the stars that, that fell with Satan, talking about these demonic hosts that uh, 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 these principalities and powers, we know them to be, according to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. So the deal is, there are these fallen angelic stars. Now today, the word influence means spiritual force or moral force, which knowingly or unknowingly affects the actions and behaviors of others consciously or unconsciously. So it's not, if you're being influenced, it's what is influencing you. And for all you grammarians out there, you realize what I'm saying is this influence, first and foremost, wasn't a verb in the dictionary. It's first and foremost a noun. It's a thing. It's a substance. It's a person. Right. And so an influence comes from, 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 a, from another realm. That was, the, that was a, the initial understanding of that. So I began looking at that, Linda, and I realized, hold up. There are these group of fallen stars. They have influence that sway people's opinions away from the kingdom of light and into the kingdom of darkness by influence. But then the Bible also talks about us having angelic stars that war on our behalf. The best example of that is in Judges chapter 5, verse 20. Deborah is talking about how she overthrew Sisera and she says something so powerful. Here's Sisera, this powerful captain of the Midianite army. You know the story. JL takes a tit peg and drives it, drives it through his head when he falls asleep in her tent. But Deborah didn't attribute the victory to what happened in her tent, which I would call her prayer tent. She, she attributed the victory to what happened in the heavenlies. Here's what Deborah says. She says in Judges 5 and 20, from the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they warred against Sisera. Like, hold up, Deborah, what are you talking about? I thought, I thought Sisera is in a tent. What do stars have to do with his defeat? She's saying, because I had favor with the bright morning star, he released his influence on my behalf. And his angelic stars, warred against Sisera's demonic fallen stars. When I got breakthrough in the heavens, it was done on earth as it was in heaven because I had influence in the right place. Because when you stake yourself to God's promises in your prayer tent, God will use your intercession like a peg to annihilate the enemy's influence. <laughs> so we have angelic stars that war on our behalf. But the beautiful thing is this. God's people are called stars. Genesis 15, 5. Abraham, look at the stars and count them if you can. And then he says this. So shall your descendants be. He wasn't just talking about the quantity of his descendants. He was also talking about the quality of their essence. In other words, we are called to be stars. Daniel 12, 3 and 4 says, uh, in that day, New American Standard Version says, the wise men in those days would shine as brightly as all the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness would shine like the stars forever and ever. So we're called to be stars. We're supposed to be like that Philippians 2 9. Uh, we're supposed to be these, like these, that they, Matthew 2 and 9 started, let the wise man of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be Philippians 2.15 people who shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So I was looking at that and I think of these folks in Hollywood or other places that are just building their own kingdoms or leading people to demonic kingdoms. They're not stars in that sense. They're just celebrities. Because they're leading people away from the bright morning star. They're just celebrities who have favor and fallen stars. They have failed with fallen principalities powers. And the influence like the flu is making a whole generation sick. But then also you have celebrities in the church too that are building their own kingdoms, which is scary. And I begin to look at it. There's a difference between being a star and being a celebrity, a true biblical star. A true biblical star is someone who uses their influence so they can be around, well, 
the celebrities use their influence so they can be around the so-called somebodies of society. The stars use their influence so they can empower the so-called nobodies of society. So celebrities, let's, yeah. let's camp out on that just a minute because okay. that is really important. I, and I'm thinking about the man or woman listening to this live broadcast right now or on the yeah. podcast in a couple of days. And so the one who's saying, you know what? I feel like everything is lost. I feel like the things I'd done that were set in motion or can't go on. They're just stunned. Like, let's speak to those people. And yes. this one's the one, two, three. So like if, if you had one of uh, these people sitting right in front of you today who was uh, shell-shocked and not sure how to pick up the pieces, give them the one, two, three, based on all this incredible depth you have just shoveled out in front of us. And I know people yes. want to listen to this time and time again and look up the references because it's yes. very rich. But uh, talk directly to the person that needs to hear from you today. What's the one, two, three? of how to get back in the saddle. Yeah, the one, two, three of it is this. Listen, you were born for this moment. Mm -hmm. This is your moment right now. I have a good student uh, uh, who was in my marketplace major. She's from China. She's an attorney in China. She said, Mr. Mr. Ford, I was doing our, we we're doing our crisis simulation uh, uh, time on our class that week. She said, Mr. Ford, in Mandarin Chinese in my, in my language, we don't have a word for crisis in our language. We actually have to take two words and put them together to make up the one word crisis. She said one word that we use is a word which means danger, but the other word we use to make up the word crisis is the word opportunity. It takes those two words in Mandarin Chinese to make up the English word crisis. In other words, I believe it's a beautiful understanding of where we are right now. Listen, yes, things look dangerous, but listen, this is an amazing opportunity right now. This is an amazing opportunity for you if you'll look at it and frame it the right way. Uh, Jeremiah 29, everybody jumps to verse 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, give you future and hope and expect it in. But you get to that future and hope and expect it in through verses 4 all the way through verses 10. Verse 4, he says, seek the welfare of the city that I've sent you into and pray to the Lord for its welfare, because in its welfare, you'll have welfare. That word welfare is the word uh, shalom, so it's also translated peace. But shalom literally means nothing missing, nothing broken. So he says, pray for the areas that, you know, where, where, where there's something missing, something broken. Yes, pray for the shalom of the city. Pray that there be shalom there. But also he said, seek out the areas that need shalom. In other words, find the areas that need restoration right. and take responsibility to it. Because listen, those who take responsibility, they're the ones who carry influence. So listen, this crisis is an amazing opportunity right now. First in your home, in your family. All you men, this is not the time <laughs> for you to be binging on Steph Curry uh, 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 old footage or whatever, Steph Curry highlights, NBA old highlights, whatever, your old highlights from basketball and soccer or whatever you used to do. Listen, I know my Brazilian students, they love soccer the way we love basketball. Listen, this is not the time to binge on that right now. Why? Because your family needs you. In a crisis, they'll tell you, Experts to tell you, I'm reading this amazing book from uh, from Harvard Harvard uh, Business Press on crisis management. It's one of the things I use in my textbook and my entrepreneurship class when I talk about crisis. Listen, there are two things that kick in when a person goes through a conflict or crisis. These there's drugs in your brain, uh, 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 epinephrine, and 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 I forget the name of the other one. Those things kick in, and when you get into a crisis, and literally 
it's hard for some people to even process logic when you get into a conflict or crisis. You kick into one or two modes, fight or flight, all right? So the first thing you need to do when you see yourself getting in that place is breathe. Just in the natural, just breathe. Oxygenate yourself. Yeah, if you're in a meeting and you find yourself in a, in a crisis moment or a conflict like that, just ask to go to the bathroom for a second. Oxygenate yourself and pray. Mm-hmm. Right? Be that supernatural professional that Linda always talks about, right? Be that supernatural professional, spiritual professional. Go in there, breathe. You go pray. You go back and you respond and not react. And so men in your home right now, we need you to be present. We need you to be connected. Don't let your wife be the only one with the kids. Don't let your wife be the only one doing the homework. You need to be just present. You need to be there. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be present and you need to have have peace on you. Mm-hmm. People who lead crisis, the ones who come out of the crisis with the greatest influence are the ones who are centered. Right. So you're centered. You know how to respond in the midst of this thing. And you know how to gather people together to think. So that's one. You're going to show up to this crisis because it's affecting your home. Two, the other thing you're going to do is you're going to spend time with your, you're going to spend time with the Lord in prayer, but spend time with your wife, spend time with your kids and family. I'm focusing on the, on the man right now because listen, if the enemy can bind the strong man, he can plunder the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. This is the, the time for you to let your family get plundered, men of God. All right. So now you're not at work. And yes, things have changed the way you have to do work and you're doing Zoom meetings and everything else. But listen, don't just do the Zoom uh, like we're doing today. Zoom and laser beam into your family right now and just be there. Have fun. Roll around the floor with the kids and, you know, uh, make a date night for your wife. You know, take her from the living room to the den and do a date night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is a time to, 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 to center into that. So that's what I would say to you right now. So in terms of your career, God's got your career. Right now, he's after your heart. But listen, you spend the time doing this, watch this. Dude, you'd be doing the dishes or doing something else, and all of a sudden, boom, you get a download about an idea for your career or for your business. You'll be playing with the kids, and all of a sudden, boom, you get an idea about how to lead your team in, in the workplace. Listen, this is the time where all those ideas, all the innovation, all the ingenuity, it happens in the middle of a crisis. Actually, quarantines have birthed some of the greatest thinkers, idea makers, uh, idea, uh, idea birthers uh, that, there, that there have been. As a matter of fact, Shakespeare. Shakespeare once writes one of his greatest plays in the middle of a quarantine. Mm-hmm. Sir Isaac Newton comes up with some of the greatest scientific discoveries in the middle of a quarantine. I believe the same thing for you right now. This is an opportunity for you right now if you take advantage of it spiritually and then also uh, 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 even just psychologically too for you and your family. But also too, God's going to burst some things in you and dust off some things that you have yet put on the shelf. Those things are going to come to the forefront right now. This, believe it or not, is going to be a time for you to dream again. This is not a time for you to be in despair. Yes, there's some big things, like I told you early on, there's some things I need to repent of. But after I got through that time of repentance and praying for my nation, guess what? God's been speaking to me about other things that I need to be doing, things I need to put on the forefront right now. And I'm sure he's doing the same thing for you, you, Linda. So anyway, that's why I wanted to say, one, breathe. Two, be present. Three, 
spend time with the Lord for watch what God does in the midst of this time with your families. That is perfect. You know, Will, we're going to hear so many great testimonies over the years of what God did in this time. And anyone listening to this with us now or later, uh, we just urge you to take it to heart and let the Lord minister to you. This uh, can be one of the greatest gifts you have ever received, this time with the Lord. We know people are hurting. We know people are suffering financially. Many are sick. And we're not... uh, turning a deaf ear to that. We are praying for these people all of the time. And wherever you are in your journey right now in the midst of this unprecedented time, what we do know is this for everyone that God wants to speak to us so that we can hear him in a way not, it's unlike any other time in your whole life. So it's a precious and sacred time. Will, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your heart. Let's don't wait so long to do this. (laughs) I know, right? We it's love you Island, so very much and pray God's richest blessings on you. And one of the things, Will, I want to do is make uh, your new course available to our oh, audience thank you. when we push this out later. Would you? And uh, can you just give us a couple of minutes on the course? What is that? Yeah. So the, so the course is uh, based on the book that I wrote called Created for Influence, Transforming Culture from Where You Are. It's about 50 teaching sessions, close to 50 teaching sessions. Uh, each one's about, I don't know, anywhere from, to, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. So you get good chunks, able to digest it mm-hmm. and able to reflect. And then you can move on to the, to the next one. Uh, the, the quality of, of the filming was great. That's one of the reasons why it took so long. And listen, y'all, y'all are going to love it. So um, I go very, very in-depth on what influence is, how it operates, but more importantly, what, how God wants to use you to not just be an, another echo, but to be a voice to your generation, how to uh, transform culture, not just in your home, but in your community and in the nation. And uh, it's primarily going to help you focus more on your prayer life. But then how do you come, after you come out of the prayer room, how you steward the influence that God is giving you, uh, how do you steward the influence of those around you, all those principles that I've been uh, learning about influence over the past 20, 25 years, put into this book, put into this, uh, my first ever e-course. And uh, I know Linda was like, you got to do an e-course. She said that to me five years ago. She's like, you got to do it. We're so very about it. So, so we, we're happy to work with Linda and to uh, make it as an offer through, uh, through, through our ministry to you guys. And so uh, that, that'll be coming out to you in a link very, very soon. That's right. All right, sir. We love you so much, Will. And to our audience, uh, if this has blessed you, be sure that you share a review on the platform wherever you're listening to the podcast and uh, share it with your friends. And also catch Will's podcast, which is on the same network, Charisma Podcast Network. And I believe it's called, is it called 818? It's called Be the Sign, yeah. Oh, Be the Sign. Love it. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) All right, Will. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. We hope you're loving the Linda Field Show and that these ideas are helping you succeed day by day. We know you're busy and don't always get the resources you need to grow in your development as a spiritual professional. That's why Linda has created True Tribe, a community of learning for men and women who are ready to experience God-made success. You can access helpful classes and put your learning to work by getting started today for just $1. Come on over to truetribe.org slash join.
and get what's waiting for you inside True Tribe. See you over at truetribe.org/join.